Hi, my name is Deb Kaiser Cross, and I serve as the Minister for Congregational Care here at Naples United Church of Christ. And today I am in the Labyrinth Garden, just sharing with you a few announcements before we begin worship. Uh, I want to welcome all of you who are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live and our podcast later. We're glad that you can join us whatever way you do. I want to just mention to you that Dawson Taylor, our senior pastor, is on vacation finally getting a chance to spend time with his family in Texas. We're so grateful that he has some time to renew and be restored. And on behalf of David Kaiser Cross, my husband, who retired last week, he wants to say a special thank you to this congregation for the incredibly kind and generous way that you celebrated his retirement after 40 years of ministry. Special thank you to all of you. So I have a couple of announcements for this week. One is it's not too late to join the discussion group featuring Marcus Borg's um, words, and it's entitled Beyond Belief. It's on Monday mornings from 10 to 11.30 a.m. And this discussion group is being led by the Selbys. So if you would like to register for that discussion, you're gonna be clicking on the button on the Wednesday or the Saturday Eve last, or you may call the church office to get some information about that. And we are gonna move into our second week of the clergy roundtable this week. We've been studying a fascinating book called Forgive to Live. And it's a study on how forgiveness can really change your life. I know that for the clergy, it has been a transformative book as we've been reading it and preparing for it. And I invite you to join us on Wednesday nights at five o'clock. And if you happen to miss one week, it's always archived. You can also get a copy of the book by calling the church office and getting it sent to you, or you can go to books at naplesucc.org and get it the same way. And then today, I wanna to invite you to join us following worship for our virtual gathering place. It's a way of getting to know a few people as we um, fellowship in a different way during these times. So now as a growing congregation, let's center our hearts and our minds as we begin to worship together. Uplifted by the beauty of such music and the power of all that we believe, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of the people of Israel, God of Jesus the Christ, God of Paul the Apostle, God of the believers who gathered to form the early church, God of all of us who have gathered virtually this day, when we reflect on how you have acted throughout history to show the depth and breadth of your love, we are awed and amazed. We give thanks that the story of your loving activity was told from generation to generation and then written in the words of scripture and shared with us by parents and teachers, pastors and friends. Because we are living in such difficult times, it feels especially important to remember just how long and how deeply 
you have loved your people, how you forgave their sin and redeemed them over and over again. We pray that you will care for us and guide us through this wilderness just as you cared for your people so long ago. We believe that you are still speaking. Help us to hear your word. We thank you for the beauty of creation, for glorious colors of autumn leaves being enjoyed by those among us who are in the north, and the bright and varied shades of green that we see here in southwest Florida at the end of the rainy season. Forgive us, O oh God, for the ways that we have allowed human living to contribute to the destruction of the world you entrusted to us. Teach us to do better. Hear our prayer for the earth and all its inhabitants. We thank you for the gift of relationships, spouses and siblings, children and parents and grandparents, neighbors and colleagues. Forgive us for the ways that we have neglected and hurt one another, near and far. Teach us to love better. Hear our prayer for those whose pain and fear we know and for those whose needs only you know. We thank you for this church family and all it means to us, for lifelong friends and new friends and friends we have yet to meet. And yes, even for the technology that keeps us connected when we are physically separated. Forgive us for the times we fail to hear your word or trust in the power of your love. Teach us to be more faithful disciples of Jesus the Christ. Hear our prayer for those among us who are dealing with physical or mental health challenges facing death or grieving the loss of loved ones, experiencing economic setbacks or uncertainty, making difficult decisions about where and how to live. We thank you for this nation and for its historic commitment to equality, justice, and freedom for all for the people who lived here from the beginning and all who have come since. Forgive us for all the ways we have failed to live up to our ideals, for injustices exposed and growing, racism, religious prejudice, fear of the other, whoever the other may be. for the polarization of people and ideals, the divisions among us. Teach us to be better citizens. Hear our prayer for a calm and fair election 
an election already underway, and for peace and reconciliation in the days after the election. God of all history, guide us through this time. May your light and love shine through us in all times. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I know that we've all had those wonderful blue skies, soft breeze, life is wonderful kind of days. Well, maybe not lately, but it happened many years ago, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of those moments when Sarah and Michael, who were preschoolers at the time, were little angels all day long. Even in the checkout lane at the grocery store, where I actually overheard them offering each other gummy bears. I came home and they decided to build a Lego train station together, and they didn't fight. I hear the laughter of mothers. I sat down in my favorite chair with a cup of tea and marveled at the joys of motherhood. I have since discovered that those are always dangerous thoughts. Something is bound to happen. I frankly can't remember what it was that got Sarah all riled up. All I know is that I had to tell her no about something. She was very perturbed and she first said, you are a mean mommy. When that didn't elicit too much response, she tried again. You are a very mean mommy. When even that didn't produce an adequate reaction, you could just see your little mind racing, searching for a new and more creative insult. And it came. And you know what else? You are an ugly lady too. Even today, I can't help laughing about it. The power of words used to build up or to tear down. This morning, I want to look at our use of words that have the power to transform our relationships. I really can't say enough good about you Paul wrote to the believers in Thessaloniki to praise them for all the ways that they had shown God's love in action. He had ample reason to express thanks to God for them in his prayers, and he utilized this opportunity to praise them for lives that reflected their faith. He encouraged them to continue to become the persons that God had created them to be. I was struck here with the power of words to transform 
and encourage. I was once told that for a single negative thing we hear about ourselves, it takes 10 positives to counteract that one negative. More often than I want to admit, I have ruminated over a negative comment made to me. I looked at this letter written by Paul to a small, struggling congregation, and I tried to imagine myself sitting and listening to someone read Paul's words of encouragement here. I found my own spirits were lifted, but what was it in this scripture that did it for me? I think it's because Paul offered some ways that we too can positively impact others through our words. So this morning, reflecting on this letter, I want to offer three words or phrases that we can all use to transform relationships. Did you notice that the very first words penned by Paul were thank you? One of the things I've been working on in my own spiritual life is the practice of gratitude. Because in our world, it is so much easier for many of us to start with criticism. In a Bloomberg Businessweek story, several CEOs spoke to the reporter about the power of a genuine thank you. One CEO vowed to write a well-considered thank you note every day via email or a handwritten letter. Douglas Conant, who is a former Campbell's Soup CEO, took this practice to the next level. Conant says he wrote at least 30,000 thank you notes to employees over the course of his 10-year career. He committed about an hour each day to writing thank yous, an eternity in a busy Fortune 500 CEO schedule. He usually made time for it during his commutes or while traveling. He said, most senior executives develop this skill set that's largely based around critical thinking. They get really good at it, and they tend to really develop this muscle of trying to critique things more than compliment them. Gratitude works in business settings but it's even more important in our closest relationships. The key to a happy and lasting marriage might be as simple as regularly expressing gratitude. So report researchers from the University of Georgia, after interviewing 468 married individuals on relationship satisfaction, covering everything from communication to finances, they found that the most consistent significant predictor of happy marriages was whether one spouse expressed gratitude, feeling appreciated, and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, how committed you are to it, and your belief that it will last. And it matters in the church, too. That's why your staff just did 
a thank you video. You have been so incredible as a congregation with your support of us during this pandemic. If you haven't seen the video yet, I encourage you to check it out on our website. From all of us, it was a genuine thank you. Now there's a second phrase that I gleaned from Paul and that is just hidden in there. It's, I believe in you. Tucked between the lines in this scripture was Paul's belief in the people to whom he was writing. Because love believes in another person's potential, character, and abilities. Those four words can mean the difference between a fear of failure and the courage to try. The message, I believe in you, is instrumental in empowering others to live up to the potential God gave them. One of my favorite illustrations of this principle came from Benjamin Zander, who's the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Youth Orchestra. And he's a retired professor at the New England Conservatory of Music. Each year, he taught graduate students a course on, on interpretation to enhance their performance skills. Yet after years and years of teaching, he realized he came up against the same obstacle. Class after class, the students would be in such a chronic state of anxiety over the measurement of their performance that they were reluctant to take risks with their playing. With the support of the conservatory, he came up with an innovative plan, which he then used with great success. He had learned through years with those students that great potential is released when somebody believes in you, which is why he gave every one of his students an A grade at the beginning of the semester. Their very first assignment was to write him a letter dated at the end of the grading period, which explained the story of what the student would have done to earn this high grade. He told them he was especially interested in the person they would have become by the end of the semester. He was interested in them not just as performers, but as with persons with potential to impact their world. His philosophy was this, this A is not an expectation to live up to, but a possibility to live into. I have learned about the power of those transformative words, I believe in you, which ultimately helps us believe in ourselves. But there's one more single word that has the power to transform. It's the word because. So let me take a little detour before I explain why I would highlight the word because. As human beings, I think we tend to deflect blanket praise. Somehow we slough it off as if it's not sincere. That's why because is so important. Paul used it here. He praised them for specific things, for their imitation of Jesus despite persecution, for their welcome to others as a testimony of their faith, for their hospitality to the other believers. 
I've always loved Madeline Leangle, who's a prolific writer of both children's and adult books. But I first fell in love with her stories when I was 10 years old, and my teacher introduced us to A Wrinkle in Time. That was the beginning of my afternoon bike rides to the library to get the next installment in the series. In the second book, A Wind in the Door, the main character is a gutsy young girl named Meg, was challenged by an angel to help in the cosmic battle between good and evil. Meg's challenge, the angel told her, was to be a namer. When Meg asked the angel what that meant, he fumed, I've already told you. A namer has to know who people are and who they are meant to be. A namer has the ability to articulate the positives in another human being. Jesus understood this concept. He renamed Simon to Peter, from the reed to the rock. Namers don't stop with things like, you're a great person, or I love you, or I respect you. They take it one step further with that simple word, because. Namers say things like, I believe in you, because you are always so generous with your time with other people. Or I'm proud of you because you are a person of integrity. I treasure you because you know how to stop and listen when you sense I need you. I respect you because you always take the high road in dealing with tough situations. Namers can be parents or grandparents or children or friends or teachers. All of us can function as namers. When I look at and think about our congregation, I imagine amazing people who have developed the gift of naming. There are so many of you who have impacted countless lives. I think of our Stephen ministers who work behind the scenes to regularly take the time to be present with other people, encouraging them through difficult times. Their words make a difference. Thomas More once said, sometimes when people speak, the impact of their words is so strong and goes so deep that they seem to have a quality of eternity about them. There was one teacher who had a particular impact on our son, Michael. When he entered middle school, he was shy and unsure about school and certainly wasn't convinced he had any talents. His band teacher took our son under his wing and encouraged him by naming his talent in playing the French horn. At every juncture, he used the word because. He would say, Michael, you have a great ear. Your sound is improving all the time. Wow, I can't believe how hard you're working. It's showing. Michael took those words and ran with them. And thanks to that teacher, our son developed a sense of himself as one 
with talents because somebody used the power of transformative words. These days, amid the volley of negative words being hurled against each other in our country, we who follow Jesus have the opportunity to model a different way of life. We have the potential to build up lives with our words. We can start with a genuine thank you. We can take the time to communicate, I believe in you, to somebody who needs a lift. And we can remember the power of the word because to encourage one another. We all have the potential to be namers.